Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Welcome here uh, to Lakeside. If you're in person or watching online, it's great to be here. My name is, An- My name is Anthony, one of the pastors as well. And uh, as Shane already mentioned, uh, we are continuing our Advent series. Christmas Eve service, Shane did touch on it. It's going to be a great service. I'd love to encourage you to grab a bundle of flyers and actually invite uh, some friends, family members, work colleagues or neighbours. They're in bundles of 10. Uh, So if you've got more than 10 friends, take two bundles, okay? Some of you have 30, 40 friends, take four or five bundles, but take as much as you want because we'd love for you to invite your friends. Let me pray and we will get into uh, our second sermon on on our Advent series. Let me pray. Most gracious Father, thank you again for what Justin just shared, uh, that you want to bring peace to all areas of our life, not just world peace, but, but domestic, at home, at the work, everywhere, Lord. Father, we thank you for that passage there for God so loved the world there is so much in that that you love us that you send your son to us so that we may have a life and have it to the full so we thank you and praise you Lord we pray now as we come to your word your spirit would open our minds and hearts to what you have to share in Jesus name amen hands up if you enjoy singing Christmas carols okay good hands up if you do not enjoy singing Christmas carols Three people. I don't mind Christmas carols. Hands up if you enjoy Christmas shopping. I don't see any males. (laughs) Hands up if you do not enjoy Christmas shopping. Okay. Hands up if you enjoy Christmas family get-togethers. Good. Hands up if you enjoy Christmas gastro. No. So much happens at Christmas. There's, there's so, it can be quite polarizing as well, can't it? Good stuff, bad stuff. But, but, but you know what I love about Christmas is it happens at the end of every single year. That we, we almost are forced to stop and reflect and think of what really matters, what, what really is important. And again, obviously, as Christians, we stop and we think uh, about, about Jesus, the birth of Jesus, that he comes close to us. Uh, you know what? He still does come close to us. He still does come close to us. We might not feel like that sometimes, but God still comes close to us and that you uh, have eternal worth and value. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the, the second one. Last week was joy. Jaden, uh, Jaden, uh, Braden touched on joy and, and preached on joy. But this morning, we look at peace. And the passage that this is really, really comes from, as well known, is the, the encounter in Luke chapter 2. Um, Mary and Joseph, if you know the story, you've probably heard it a few times. They head to Bethlehem. There's a census. They head to Bethlehem. There's nowhere for them to stay. They end up having to stay in a stable. Uh, Jesus is born. He's placed in a manger and then we read this encounter with the angels it's it's one of the well-known stories in fact if you probably haven't read it you would have seen if you've got kids they would have performed it at school maybe you were a shepherd maybe you were a sheep any sheep hands up if you've ever been a sheep hands up if you've ever been baby Jesus in one of the plays no one's put their hands up okay no one's ever been baby Jesus 
I think uh, our kids have all played, played baby Jesus. They don't act like baby Jesus, but they've all played baby Jesus. Here we go. Let's have a look at this passage here. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks, as shepherds do at night. And an angel of the Lord peered to them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The language there is that the, 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 terrified is kind of almost the strongest language they could use. They were scared stiff. They, were, they, they thought they were going to die. But we, we've read this story so many times, we kind of just gloss over there, out doing their job, and they saw these angels. It would have been terrifying. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not or don't be afraid. Now, you probably heard me say this a few times, but that is one of the most commonest phrases throughout the whole Bible. Don't be afraid. I think it's a normal response when you see an angel to be afraid, okay? But then the angel reassures, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring good news. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, that the message, the central message of Christmas, however you want to wrap it up or pass it on, the central message of Christmas is, is good news, is, is great news, Good news of great joy that is for every person. It doesn't matter what uh, race or, or nationality, black, white, Italian, Chinese, uh, Australian, whatever you are. It's for all people, male, female, rich, poor, short, tall. It's for everyone. And guess what? It's really, really good news. So much so that a, a, an angel's coming down to tell everyone about it. Today in the town of David... A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, so more angels appeared uh, with, the, with the original angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I don't know what would have been going through their mind, but they would have been pretty convinced after they saw that, that, that hey, something is happening. Let's go and check it out. It says then that they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, uh, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So they, they couldn't keep it to themselves. This was such good news that they'd seen it, they'd experienced it, they wanted to tell other people. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they heard and seen, which were just as they had been told." It's a great story. It's the greatest story. It's one of the greatest stories that's no longer really told. It kind of is told, but not, not quite correctly. This is, this is a great story. And this morning, we're focusing on the bit where it says, the angels said, glory in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace to those whom his favour rests. Peace to those whom his favour rests rest. Uh, some translations say uh, a glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. That's probably the, the phrase that you know. And peace on earth with all whom God is pleased. So we're going to be talking about peace. Now you may be thinking peace on earth. 
2,000 years ago, it doesn't, you know, Jesus came, it doesn't seem like we've got very far with the whole peace thing. I was reading an interesting story, World War I, hands up if you were in World War I, no. How long ago was World War I? 100 years? It's over 100 years, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a long time ago. Uh, but you, you may know someone, a grandparent or a, a, um, a father or a mother or someone who was involved in the war. And I find this story incredible. That, that during uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the German troops and the Allied troops, not all of them, on some of the fronts, they actually stopped. That there was a Christmas truth, 1914. There you go. 1914, they had this Christmas truce from Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and actually for a few other days. And, and there's reports that they actually stopped and, and they sang carols together. Sang carols together. It would have sucked if you weren't, weren't someone who didn't like carols. But they came together. They were fighting. Hours earlier, they were shooting at each other. They, they stopped and they sang carols. They even exchanged gifts. There's even one report that they started a, a soccer match. They played a game of football uh, uh, this is in 19... That on Christmas... Why, why would they do that? There was something about Christmas that, that, that said to them, what they're doing isn't right, and they stopped. So much so that in, in coming wars after that, uh, generals put out kind of big bans about even, even thinking about truce, having a truce over Christmas, or, or do not do that. You, you can't do that. Interesting story. Peace. So in general, we think of peace, or the English dictionary defines peace as the, the absence of war or the absence of conflict. Where there is no war, where there is no conflict, then that must be peace. They did some research and they looked at all of human recorded history, three and a half thousand years, nearly 4,000 years, uh, and they did this research and they could only find 286 Years over that 4,000 years where there were no wars. Less than 8% of recorded human history, there has been no conflict. And they saw that there's been nearly 9,000 treaties, peace treaties, signed and broken in that time. Peace on earth? Peace on earth? Where's this peace on earth? Uh, the, and, and you may be thinking, oh, you know, when we look... At, some people think that uh, the, 20, the 21st century, the 20, you know, we're a little bit more civilised and, and sometimes when you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, or you think about 1,000, 2,000, they were so violent, those people, they were so destructive. And, but actually, they did a lot of research on that as well. And, and the 20th century was the most violent, the most murderous century in recorded history. From 1914 to 2014 were the most horrendous and violent hundred years in, in recorded human history. More wars, more deaths than any other time period in humanity. It's a beautiful sermon, this one, about peace on earth. It doesn't make sense. Because if our definition of peace is just the absence of war or the absence of conflict, then this passage loses uh, its, its meaning. Was the angel lying? What was, what was the angel saying about the coming of Jesus? And here's the thing. When, when we look at the concept of biblical peace or what it means to have peace in the Bible, it's broader than that definition. 
The definition of the absence of war or the absence of conflict, yes, biblical peace does involve that, but it's so much more than that. Biblical peace is this concept around this word shalom. Have you heard of that word shalom? Turn to the person next to you and say shalom without spitting COVID germs all over them. Shalom. In fact, if you, Jewish people, even to this day, when they greet, it's a greeting as well as, a, you know, shalom, it means peace with you. But it's not just talking about the absence of war or the absence of, of conflict. This, this word shalom is actually central to the Bible story. Absolutely central. In the Old Testament, there's something like 450 references to this word shalom. And then in the New Testament, it goes from Hebrew to Greek. But the concept in the Greek is the same as it is in, in this, the Hebrew, the word shalom. You see, the word shalom, it has everything, uh, when it, when it has the same meaning in the sense of the absence of war and conflict. But it's so much more than that. You see, the word shalom uh, means wholeness. It means goodness. It means sound, it means healthy, it means provided, it means harmony, it means unity, it means complete. It signifies a sense of well-being and harmony and unity, completeness, an absence of agitation and discord. So let's, let's have a look at it, this. This is a, a biblical understanding of peace. This is you. You've done your hair, it looks great. You put on your best shirt or whatever. But, but uh, shalom affects every single one of us. And, and what, what shalom is, is, is this wholeness and this completeness. Shalom. When everything is just going really well, when there's a wholeness, there's, there's, there's a, a soundness, there's a unity in all aspects of your life. Now, you know, and I know, because the human experience is that does not happen, does it? Because there's different areas of our life that are, are, are struggling. And whenever there is something in our life that isn't aligned or, or is broken, it may be relationships or friendships, it may be financial struggles, it may be stress or worries, it may be a relationship with God, what starts happening to our wholeness, our shalom? It starts to break down. We no longer have peace. We lose our wholeness. Your peace is gone. And this, this eventually, it, it breaks down where there's life is no longer whole. Yeah, this, this is the reality for every single human being. Since the fall, which we'll get into a little bit later, that there is no longer a wholeness. And, and so many of us, we chase this wholeness in other things. We try to fix this, uh, this kind of broken shalom. Our peace has been broken. It's not just the absence of war or conflict. It's actually more about what's going in, on in us. And so the verb of, of shalom, the actual playing out of shalom, literally means to restore or to bring wholeness. So when, when you bring shalom or peace, you're actually restoring something that is broken or, or you're completing it. In fact, there's one passage in the Old Testament that talks about Solomon, that when he completed his temple, the last, the last brick that he put in place, it was shalom. Why? Because it was completed. It had been finished. It was, it was done. It, what it was de designed for had come to an end and it was beautiful. And so, so the verb literally means to, to bring shalom, to bring completeness, to bring wholeness and we're back to shalom. Now, there's times in our life where that's the case. And so, so when we think of biblical peace, 
This is the word that we need to think of. This is what we need to understand. When the angel says peace on earth, uh, he's saying shalom. Shalom on earth, a wholeness, a restoring. Jesus, a son, has been born in the town of Bethlehem and he's going to restore. He's going to bring it back. He's going to make it complete to what it was designed for. It's not just the absence of war or conflict. Does that make sense? The problem is we tend to live here, don't we? We tend to live here. Throughout the Old Testament... Shalom is central. Even in the beginning, in the garden, uh, the word, you know, when God designed and it was good, there's a concept of shalom there because it was, it was whole and it was complete. It wasn't broken. It was good. Shalom. And so throughout the Old Testament, shalom is central, but it's also an expression of hope that the people of Israel were waiting one day for a Messiah And when the Messiah came, he would restore what? Shalom, you can say it. He would restore the shalom. He would restore it to to be completed. Individually, as a a person, but also, obviously they're thinking as their nation, but corporately as a nation. Look at these passages here that talk about the coming Messiah. This is Zechariah. These are prophecies. Uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. They're talking about Jesus here. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Remember this? What is this prophesying about? This is the story of of, of Easter, isn't it? When, When Jesus would come into Jerusalem in his final week on the back of a donkey. This was written eight, nine hundred years before Jesus was even born. What does it go on and says? It says, I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will, this is Jesus, proclaim shalom. Not just proclaim, he will be a bringer. He will be a proclaimer, he will be a bringer of shalom. He will restore it, he will correct it, he will fix what was broken and make it whole to the nations. He will proclaim the peace to the nations and rule will extend the sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. What about this beautiful passage? This is an awesome Christmas passage. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. These are awesome names, aren't they? Imagine having this on your resume. Name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, (laughs) Everlasting Father and Prince of Shalom. Prince of Shalom. He is, he, Shalom is actually a person. Jesus is Shalom. Jesus is peace. He's full. He's completely whole. There's no brokenness to it. And he is the Prince of Peace who, who wants to usher in peace, who comes to restore all that is broken, all that isn't whole. That is what Jesus is doing. So the people of Israel, when they hear the word peace, that's what they think. Not just the absence of war or the absence of fighting, but a wholeness. And so when we read the scriptures, we need, to, we need to be thinking that as well. When we hear the angel declare peace, we think shalom, we think wholeness, because that's what Jesus comes to do. So let's have a look. This Messiah, this Prince of Peace, what does he do? He, looks, he brings four areas. The first things he brings is Jesus brings peace or shalom with God. Jesus brings peace or shalom with God. Let's go back to our diagram. This time we start with God. I was trying to Google an image for God 
The best I could do was a triangle. Because um, it's just so, I don't, how do you put God as an image? Anyway, God, you get that? It's God, it's purple because it's lakeside, but it's, it's God. And it says he created the, the heavens and the earth. And then he created, when he created the earth, he created the seas and, and, and the, the, the ocean and the, and the water and, and all this kind of stuff, the animals, and he created the garden, didn't he? And he says it was what? It was good, it was good, it was good. Shalom. It's not the word shalom, but it has this meaning, shalom. And then what does he create? He creates a, a guy and a girl. Again, they haven't done their hair, but he creates them and he says they were what? Very good. There was a wholeness. In fact, they were so whole, they were naked. They weren't ashamed. Everything was good. The garden was, was good. There was harmony. This is, the, this, is, this is shalom in action. The relationship between God and, and humans was, was perfect. Shalom. It actually said that in the evening, the cool of the evening, that what? God would walk amongst them. So there was no broken relationship. It was completely whole. There was, there was harmony. And then what happens? You know the story. Uh, sin comes into the world. Adam and Eve turn their back on God, and, and now it's broken. There's a brokenness between them and God. It says that they hid from God. They actually hid from God. Sin began in the garden and it continues today. And what does sin do? It destroys shalom. It, it destroys wholeness. The, the absolute opposite of peace and shalom is what? Is basically sin. You think of anything where the uh, wholeness is broken, it all comes back to sin. Whether it be anxiety and worry, maybe not your own sin, but the sin. Wars and, and racism and struggle and relationship breakdown, it all comes down to sin because sin is the opposite of shalom. And so this sin uh, breaks the relationship between humans and God. Now, God could have just let it sit like that. But this is, again, the incredible story of Christmas, that he doesn't. He wants to restore. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. Shalom as a verb means to, to restore to fix what was broken, to make whole, to complete. And so again, Jesus comes. Uh, the, the, Christmas, the, the story of Christmas is actually the story of Easter. Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, an angel, or he has a dream, and in that dream, he said, you're going to have a son, and his name is Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Because they're, they're disconnected from God, but he's going to save them. So he comes, and that's exactly what he does. But what is he doing there on the cross? He's restoring the relationship with God. He's making whole again. So, so that's what Jesus does. He's the Prince of Shalom. He brings Shalom so that we may have peace with God. So we go from brokenness towards wholeness. Now, positionally, as a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus or you become a Christian, Romans 10 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. When you do that positionally, you have a wholeness or peace with God. But also, that's a process. Positionally, you step into the kingdom of God, you, you are connected and have peace with God, but there's a, there's a process of towards wholeness, that as you become a Christian, you become more like Christ that your shalom with God gets greater and more frequent. Does that make sense? 
peace with God, shalom with God. Look at these passages here. Jesus brings peace with God. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, so it's through faith in Jesus, we have peace. With who? With God. We have a wholeness with God. We have, uh, uh, there's no longer fighting. There's the, the, the wars haven't been broken down. We have shalom with God. It's been completed. And how has this come about? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what Colossians says. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace. And actually, this passage makes it even broader than just with God. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It was, the, it was Jesus' birth and then obviously his death and resurrection that, that restores, that makes whole, that completes. I don't know if you've ever heard people say, I feel like I'm running from God. I don't know, maybe you've said that or you hear, uh, there's a sense in that as humans, we know that we're not quite right with God. Now, we may not be able to articulate that it's God. We may say the universe, we may say whatever, but we, we just know that something's not quite right. I remember even before I became a Christian, I don't like using this word, but it felt like God was haunting me. It seems weird to say, but there was a two-year period where I just I didn't want to become a Christian. I was scared, but it was like God was... Haunting is not a great word, but, but it was there all the time, and I felt this burden, this heavy burden that me and God weren't right. And then if I was to get hit by the proverbial bus... How many people actually die by getting hit by buses? But, but if I was to actually get hit by a bus, my relationship with God wasn't right. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today. You just know you're not quite right with God. There's no shalom or wholeness with God. The work's been done. Jesus has paid the price. He's restored that. Jesus brings peace with God. All you need to do is respond by saying yes, becoming a Christian and saying, I believe. I believe. Confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is king. Here's some other passages. Acts 10, uh, 36 says this. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news. And even that the concept of good news has this concept of shalom in there. Because good news is a message of wholeness, of peace, of restoring. The good news of peace. Now we just read peace. It's a beautiful word, don't get me wrong. But it's so much bigger than we, 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 we really do know. Because good news of peace is restoring wholeness, completeness through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Ephesians says he came and preached. Who is this? This is Jesus. He came and preached shalom or he came and preached restoration and peace to you who were far away. And peace again, shalom, to those who were near. So the first thing we see is that Jesus brings peace with God. Now, you probably know this if you've been coming to church a few times, but are you experiencing this? Are you experiencing this? Are you on the road to, to wholeness? Have you said yes to Jesus the first time? But are you on the road to wholeness? The second thing we see that Jesus brings is peace to self or, or with self. Jesus brings peace with self. And what that means is, we don't have to live a life of fear and anxiety and worry. Now, we may have those things because we'll see in a second that uh, being a Christian doesn't mean you don't have those things. 
But because of Jesus, he actually brings peace, that we can have peace inside ourselves. Here's a quote uh, by a Stoic philosopher. And this is what he says. He says, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he's saying while he may be able to say there is no physical threats or wars, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even outward peace. Interesting, isn't it? That there needs to be peace internally. And that can't come from the government or the emperor. It can't come from Scott Morrison. You know, he does his best to govern or Martin McGowan. They do their best to what they think is right with uh, and, and keep people safe. They all do all of that. And, but, but actually, there's something that they can't bring. And actually, that is of, of greater need and greater importance when it comes to peace. Look at this passage here. This is a beautiful passage, isn't it? One, because it's got the word peace twice in it, which is so good when you're doing a sermon on peace. This is, this is what Jesus says. Peace, I leave with you. He's, he's left something for us. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace. This is Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's the what? Prince of peace. If anyone can leave you with it, it's the Prince of peace. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. And because you have that, guess what? Uh, he, he goes on and says, I don't give you as the world gives. The world's going to maybe throw out some little, little crumbs of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, he, he leaves you with his peace. He gives that to you. I was, I was reading a, another little interesting story uh, about a painting competition. They ran this competition or, uh, to see who could, who could uh, depict or paint the best picture of the word peace. They want to see what, what the artists could come up with and all these people put in these, their, their beautiful pieces and then it came down to two. And so the judges wheeled out the first one, big oil on canvas. I don't know how big it was. Oil on canvas sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I don't know if it was oil on canvas. It could have been crown on paper. But anyway, they brought out this painting and uh, it was a picture of this beautiful lake. Beautiful lake. Green grass. The sun was setting. You know when the, the sun just kind of reflects off the, the water and you can see the sun and it almost mirrors. It, it, was, it was a beautiful painting. And everyone's like, surely that's, that's the winner. That's peace. That's, oh, look at it. When I look at that, I, I have peace. And then the judges wheeled out the second one. They said, this is the one we just showed you actually is second. This is the one that has won. Completely different. That doesn't look like peace. That looks like something, the opposite of peace. You're trying to get your kids to school on time or, or whatever. That does not look like peace, does it? There's a, there's a waterfall. There's, there's, you can see lightning in the background. You can see stormy clouds. That is not peace. Now, you can't see this very well. Can anyone see something on the picture? You can't see that very well either. <laughs> There's a little birdie. There's a little birdie there nestled in in a little crevice in the rocks. And it's fast asleep. Either that or it's dead, like a rock might have hit it on it. No, no, it's definitely fast asleep. It's fast asleep with its little birdie chicks. And they said, ah, that's peace. 
That's peace. Even though the, the, the waves are crashing, the light, this little bird is, is tucked away safe and sound. See, peace uh, consists not of the absence of danger. I'm not sure who said this. It wasn't me. Uh, peace consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. It's important to remember that. Even as Christians, we just think that our lives should be perfect. God never promised that. He promised peace. And the way we have peace is by being close to God. Here's another passage here. Uh, Jesus talking to his disciples. And uh, this was not long after. He's about to leave them or go to the cross. He's, He's kind of told them that he's going to be crucified. And he says, I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me, shalom, wholeness in me. In the world, he says, in the world you will have distress. In the world there will be waterfalls and lightning and thunder. But be encouraged, he says, I've conquered all this. I have restored all this. I've made shalom with you and God. That's what's going to happen. You can have peace, he's saying. So there will be troubles. There will be troubles. And you know that because that's your experience as well. And it's not a competition to see who's had the most trouble. But, but you know everyone's had trouble. But the Bible says that we can be like that little bird. That, that we can actually have peace even when the storms are raging around us or even in us. We can have peace. This here is the classic. Oh, here's some, there's some peace passages about uh, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with shalom. Uh, may the Lord of peace, may the Lord of shalom, the Lord of wholeness himself give you peace. At all times and every day. Romans, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the, here's the most, the classic peace passage, isn't it? We all know this one. But it says some interesting things here. It, it says, don't be anxious about anything, which is almost impossible, I think. But in every situation, now he, he, he says, this is how you, you don't be anxious. Because you will be. You're going to be anxious. You're going to worry. That's why uh, one of the most commonest phrases in the whole Bible is what? What did I say? Do not be afraid. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Wow! Not no average Anthony Palmieri peace. This is the peace of God, which transcends, you don't even understand it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. There it is again. But there's, there's a sense, there's something that we have to do here. We, we need to bring our requests to God, our prayers to God, and, and, and the things that we've learned and received and heard from him and seen from him, we need to put it into practice. And when we do that, guess what? Then we will have a peace, a shalom, a wholeness, regardless of our situations and our circumstances. If you want more peace, this is a bit cliche, but you could put it on a T-shirt. If you want more peace, you need to focus more on God. Or you need to go closer to God. More peace, you get closer to God. What's that? Uh, no God, no peace. It's spelled differently. Yeah. I, anyway, 
Uh, but, but if you want more peace, you've got to go closer. That's what this is saying. Look at this passage here. This one says it as well. Uh, you will keep in perfect peace. Not only is it peace, it's perfect peace. Perfect shalom, perfect wholeness. All, so who get to have perfect peace? Not everyone. It says all who trust in God, that is, uh, all, uh, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So if you want perfect peace, you need to, to trust in God and you need to fix, fix your th- thoughts on God. It's not just going to happen. That there's, there's something that we need to do. Jesus brings peace with self. He brings peace with God, but he brings peace with self. So if you want to be more, have more peace, you go closer to God. Uh, picture yourself uh, out in the ocean and there's a cyclone and there's wind whirling around. There's lightning and thunder and, and the waves are crashing and, and all that is happening. You'd be pretty scared up there, wouldn't you? Only about six metres below the water, it's as calm as anything. The fish are doing what fish do. They don't even know there's a storm up there. They're just swimming <laughs> and going like that. So the deeper you go, the deeper we go with, with Jesus, the, the closer we are with Jesus, we're going to be like fish, like little birds in the, in the rocks. Peace is the result of Christian living or a Christian life. Last verse on this one. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Jesus brings peace with God. Jesus brings peace with self. Third one is Jesus brings, oh, this is a hard one. Positionally, it's true. God's done all the work, but this is a hard one, isn't it? I love the second one. I love the fact that we have peace with self, but this third one is is hard. Jesus brings peace with others. Let's go back to the diagram. Because when we were back in the garden, uh, our shalom with God got broken. But guess what else? Our wholeness and our completeness with each other was now broken. So vertically with with God and horizontally with each other, our wholeness, our shalomness is now broken. We don't have peace with each other. And again, you only have to turn on the TV. You don't even have to turn on the TV to see that that is the case. We know in our own life that we have fights with people. There's conflict, and this is one of the, the harder ones. But Jesus brings peace uh, with others. We, 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 there's many challenges in life, but one of the hardest challenges is the fact that relationships break down. People we love even, our friends, our family members, and maybe even not people, you know, our neighbours or our work colleagues, that they're the most difficult things. When those things break down, when those relationships are in turmoil, gee, that, that causes pain. There's no shalom there. And when that happens, we need to, we need to ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, hey, uh, Jesus, we, I need some peace here. Please bring some peace to this relationship. And, and part of that, I think, is our endeavour to do all that we can to restore that relationship. Look at this passage here in Romans, interesting one. It says, don't pay back anyone uh, for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. So this is probably minor conflicts. Uh, If possible, to the best of your ability, live in shalom or live with peace with all people. So so saying there, uh, there might be some times where that isn't, you can't do that. But you just do... On your, you can only control your actions. Have you ever heard that? 
You can only control your actions. So on your half, do, do the best you can to live in peace with others. Why? Because we follow a God, we, we follow a God, a Jesus, who, said, who restores our relationship with God, who brings peace for us. Therefore, we're going to endeavour to have peace with others. We're going to have peace with others. This passage here actually says that's what we're meant to be doing in many ways. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, the shalom makers, the restorers, the people who restore relationships. It's not just the, the absence of conflict or the absence of war. Blessed are the peacemakers, people who bring justice to a situation or bring wholeness to a community. Oh, Jesus says they're, they're spot on. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So part of our job is to actually be peacemakers, to try to restore relationships, but also to bring wholeness. Because remember, think of the, the, the complete aspect of that word, to, to restore brokenness in our communities, in our families, wherever we go. I was speaking to a family uh, a few years ago, and they came and shared a great testimony with me how I was preaching on forgiveness, I think it was, and, and they just felt convicted that there was a relationship breakdown. Uh, the married couple with kids, the relationship breakdown wasn't between the married couple, but between uh, them as a family unit and uh, her dad. So much so that they hadn't seen her dad and her mum for about eight months. Hadn't seen, I think, one of the, their grandchildren had been born in that period. And it was such a tiny little argument. Now, this family, actually, they weren't the problem, hearing, obviously, their side of the story, but it seemed like they were being quite reasonable, but they'd been cut off. And they said, Anthony, we felt so convicted in that, in, in that convicted but also encouraged to go on their way home, to pull up and knock on their door. And they, and they said, we did it. They said they went in and they, they prayed before they hopped out of the car they were nervous, they were, they were a little bit scared. What, what, but then they thought, what's the worst can happen? They can slam the door, knock on the door. Dad answers the phone, at the phone. He didn't answer the phone, he answered the door. And absolutely shell-shocked. Come on, come on in. Came in and, 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 and they sat around. And, and again, the original argument was, was it was silly. I'm not saying that this is what you do in every situation. But my, my point is this, that they had the guts to restore the relationship and now the relationship is stored. The relationship has got, got wholeness there. I don't even know if the, the, the family, the dad and the granddad and the grandma even apologised, but that's not the point really. Because these people went out and they became peacemakers and they restored that relationship and maybe one day they'll, they'll see that. And God looks at that and says, oh, well done. Well done. Where can you be a peacemaker this Christmas? Where can you be a peacemaker this Christmas? Maybe go down to Gateway Shopping Centre. No. But where can you be a peacemaker? Maybe it's in your own family. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe there's a phone call. Maybe there's an invitation. Maybe there's an, an apology that needs to happen. But where can you be a peacemaker? I, I want us to pray this prayer right here. Before we go into our last point. This is a beautiful prayer, and, and I think it's about being a peacemaker. Oh, I think so when I read it. It's a prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Can we pray this out loud? Let's pray right now. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. 
Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy, divine master. Grant me, grant that what I may, not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. Oh, you guys are in trouble. You just prayed that. That is a scary prayer to pray. That is a hard prayer to pray. But you, it is. It's a beautiful prayer. But that's what God calls us to be. Calls us to be peacemakers. And the reason we can is because we have peace with God. We have peace in self. And we are called to have peace with others. And the last one, as we wrap it up, is this. Jesus brings peace on earth. What do you mean Jesus brings peace on earth? Um, well, he, he, peace with God. Peace with self peace with others. If, if there's shalom there, then that should have an impact on the world. If people are living in that shalom, in that wholeness, that should have an impact on the world. Uh, but also, there will be a time when Jesus actually returns. And so part of those prophecies haven't been fully fulfilled because Jesus will return uh, and, and all, there'll be complete, there'll be judgment and justice and truth, and then from there, there will be shalom. There'll be wholeness. There'll be complete restoring of everything that was broken. Because at the moment, it's not completely restored. Positionally, it has been, but it's kind of yes, but not yet. Look at this passage here. talks about that day. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven uh, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed uh, for a husband. Lots of imagery here. Uh, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people. And so when, when, what that is saying is that there's no barrier between us and God. That's signifying shalom. And he would dwell with them. Dwell with them. Remember at the garden, he would walk amongst them in the evening, in the cool of the night. So the, so the story of the Bible, it starts with shalom, a wholeness, and it's going to end with a wholeness. Uh, dwell with them. Uh, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And look at this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older order of things has passed away. So there will come a day where they're, they're complete peace on earth, wholeness, restoring what is broken, going back to what was originally designed. In the meantime, guess what? Our role as Christians, peace from God or peace with God, peace with self, uh, peace with others. Our role is to bring peace on earth. Look what Jesus says here. He says, this is actually, um, he, he's been crucified. He's risen from the grave. He hasn't ascended yet, but not far off ascending. So he, he sees his disciples. He catches up with them, scares them. Don't be afraid. And then he says this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, guess what he does now? So I am what? Sending you. 
He's talking to his disciples. He says, peace be with you, shalom, wholeness. Guess what? The Father sent me, now I send you, and I send you, and I send you, and I send, I send you. And your job is to be what? Peace givers, restorers, shalom, to, 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 to repair what is broken. And then you go on and he says, I'm not going to send you on your own. You're actually going to have someone in you. Who's that? Remember? Holy Spirit, I'm going to send the comforter, the counsellor. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. But now I, the Father sent me, and so I am sending you. Peace takes a lot of work. It's not just the absence of war. It's not just the absence of conflict. Peace takes a lot of work. True peace, which we've just looked at, requires taking what is broken and restoring it restoring it to wholeness, whether it's lives, relationships, or in, in the earth or in the world. What a rich concept of peace, yeah? Let me pray. Most gracious Father, I thank you. I thank you uh, that uh, you sent your son, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to restore what was broken, to bring shalom. Firstly and primarily, we've, we've you, God, our Father, that we may have a relationship with, with, with God is incredible, that we have peace. Your word says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So thank you for sending Jesus that very first Christmas to bring peace with you. Father, I pray that we would be people who live in that peace, who, who walk in that peace, that we wouldn't have anxiety and worries. And I know we do, Lord. But Father, help us to move closer to you. Lord, my prayer is for everyone here tonight, or today or watching online, that we would be able to live like that little bird. I know it's a silly little illustration, but that we would be able to be like that little bird, that we would, regardless of our situations, regardless of our failures, regardless of our successes, regardless of our storms, that we would just be at peace uh, because we know that we're at peace with you. Father, help us to have peace with others, wholeness, Shalom with others. Lord, where those relationships are breaking, help us to do to the best of our ability and led by your spirit, help us to, to try to restore those, Father. Father, may we be people who, who uh, bring restoration and wholeness in communities, in our workplaces, in our families. And Lord, we would be uh, peacemakers here on earth, just as you said that you, 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 you sent Jesus, now Jesus sends us. Help us do that. Father, this Christmas, as we reflect on a crazy year, may we not forget that we have peace, shalom, wholeness with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.